Welcome to Discover Healthier, everything you need to know about health brought to you by Discovery Health. I'm Azania Musaka. You can join the conversation as we explore some of the most pressing matters in the healthcare environment today. A wide variety of topics and specialist guests will empower you to care for your health now and in the future. We've started to develop a good idea of why the period from conception to age two is the most critical time for the development of a person's mental, physical and emotional potential. With us now on the line from Cape Town and to give us even more key insights into the first 1000 days is developmental pediatrician Dr. Reneva Peterson. It's great now to be speaking to Dr. Reneva Peterson, developmental pediatrician. So as a developmental pediatrician, you come into the picture once the baby is in the world and the first 1,000 days would have started by then. Do you find that parents know about the notion of the first 1,000 days? I think parents are aware of the importance of the early developmental area. I don't necessarily think they are aware of the first thousand days as a concept. Mm. I think UNICEF is using the first thousand days, you know, as a flagship program in sort of resource-limited settings to bring knowledge across to people and to drive programs. But most parents are beyond knowing that early period is important. They don't have an understanding of why it is so important. And the reason I say that is most parents who have concerns will still wait until the child is older to come and seek help about a child's development. And most parents will take a watch and wait approach if there is a concern. Mm-hmm. And we say that first thousand days and the two years when the baby's been delivered, if there is something even mildly wrong and we intervene in a positive way, our outcome can only be better as opposed to waiting and saying, okay, I've waited until two and now I'm seeking help. Right, right. Nothing is happening. So answer your question, no, I don't think that they are as aware of the importance of the time. And can we separate the health of the baby from the health of the mother? How intertwined are these two health journeys in those first 1,000 days? I think they are intimately intertwined. I don't think you can separate them. If a mother is undernourished, if a mother is depressed, if a mother is anxious, if a mother is exposed to domestic violence or distress, it affects the development of the child. So the age of the mother, the health and well-being of actually both parents prior to conception might affect the embryo and certainly the well-being of the mother has a direct effect on even the child's IQ. Mm, mm. What should parents do, specifically mothers? What should parents and mothers do and know whilst they're pregnant, almost to sort of optimize their baby's potential? So I think we start with preconception. Mm-hmm. Mothers mm-hmm. should have a healthy lifestyle. Uh, with regular physical activity at their level, but regular physical activity. Obviously, alcohol and nicotine and recreational drug consumption should be stopped because all of those things adversely affect 
fetal development, including gestational uh, smoking. If a mother has a pre-existing heart condition before you conceive, you know, optimizing that condition and its management is very important. Mm-hmm. Screening treatment and prevention of any infections before you conceive. Approaching and maintaining a healthy body weight for the pregnancy. And starting with your folic acid supplementation and other nutritional supplements even before you conceive, while you are planning, is very important. So those are practical things that mothers can do. Ensure their health, their fitness, optimum weight, and their medical condition. Sometimes medication has to be changed if they are planning a pregnancy because we know that they affect development of the system. So some women who are on specific medications, may, your doctor may have to change them to another medication in a very controlled way, but to something that is not harmful to the baby. Mm. Now, Dr. Peterson, are you able to paint a picture of the child's brain and its potential in those first 1,000 days? I think what we need to understand is that the roots of behavior are laid very early in life. Uh, While the brain is developing physically, Whatever stress or emotional distress the mother is experiencing can be transmitted to the child and affect the child's brain development. This is a very vulnerable period. So we've talked about exposure to, to drugs and substances, but just emotionally mother security can have an effect on the neuronal growth and migration and the formation of good pathways. And then, for example, folic acid supplementation to prevent middle tube which is very, very important. The other important thing is to realize that this is also a window opportunity because of plasticity, so that if there is an injury or a complication, by early intervention, the brain can actually sort of restructure or, if I can use the word, reroute its functions in some ways to compensate for where there are losses. So the earlier we intervene, the bigger opportunity we give the brain a chance to express the concept of plasticity and to function in a normal way. Mm. Mm. I don't know if that uh, answers your question. I don't want to go into the details of technical neuronal migration and biology. Well, I'd love some of that because I'd love some of that because um, was made aware that uh, a baby's brain already contains ten billion cells. You know, during the twenty-fourth week of pregnancy, that is an incredible amount. So, these cells are doing wondrous things during that time. So the brain starts with basic layers, which mm. gives rise to the forebrain and the hindbrain. And the hindbrain eventually turns into the cerebellum. And the forebrain structures will then develop into basically your cerebrum, which is where your cognitive thinking happens, and your thalamus and your hypothalamus, which together form the limbic system. And that's where your cognitive processing happens. Literally, the first 12 weeks of life, those structures are being put in place. Mm. And so if there is a lack of folic acid, for example, in that time period, that is when you have neural tube defects developed, because that is when that embryo will 
unfolding and if there isn't enough holistic supplementation, the process can't happen. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about nutrition. You mentioned uh, folic acid earlier on as being one of those vitamins that are really, really critical to a child's development, right? So can we look at optimizing our nutrition for a baby's development and what that means for their brain? You know, uh, if I'm eating healthily, having my vegetables as a mother versus eating unhealthily, um, fast food or maybe food that doesn't have the required nutrition. What does that mean for the baby's brain as it grows? Well, it gives the baby's brain substances to develop optimally. For the first six months, breast milk is best. And we know that exclusively breastfed children actually, compared to children who have formula feed, there's a difference in their IP development. So for the first six months, this will be breastfeeding for bonding for attachment, but also for cognitive development is best. Then when we're looking at the next 18 months, it is making sure that the meals are balanced. Obviously, as you're introducing different uh, complementary foods, so vegetables, potatoes, meat, or fish, but the basics must be that your child must have enough calories in, so there must be enough food, your child must not be undernourished. Mm. Your child must have a balance between protein and carbohydrates. Um, and we sort of like to recommend not a special diet, but sort of a healthy Mediterranean diet, grains and protein and meat. The children should also have supplements of iron, zinc, choline, B vitamins, mm. and then particularly long-term polyunsaturated fatty acids and some fish and some nuts. You obviously have to be careful with uh, people who have nut allergies mm. and be sensible about things like that. But uh, definitely omega-3 fatty acids, those kinds of supplements. So it's a balanced diet um, with protein and carbohydrates in your sort of vegetables and fruits. And then in terms of negative things to avoid, definitely I would say sweet and sugary drinks, carbonated drinks, they're bad for weight gain, they're bad for behavior, they're bad for dental health. Certainly um, processed foods, eating a lot of processed food or eating a lot of starch. So having starch for every meal, I would discourage. There should be a variety mm. in, in what we offer. And and we can make that, you know, affordable at all levels. I don't think there is a benefit unless you have a proven food allergy of one diet for brain development. I think it's a good general Mediterranean diet, I would say, with your multivitamin supplements, in iron supplements, and then by in particular attention to your fish um, and your omega-3 fatty acids. Sounds very comprehensive. But if we look at the body, the baby's body in those 1,000 days, what is key? What are the important things for a child's physical development? Children learn by planning. They learn how to use their bodies, how to coordinate their bodies, by training. So when we have children having a lot of screen time or sitting and you know, wanting children to be quiet, or we have children in a very in a small 
space or they can't play outside, I actually think it limits their, their physical development. So within the limits of safety, our children, even a one-year-old, should be allowed to explore. We need to child-proof our environment, but they should be able to walk and crawl. They should be able to touch, experience different textures. Mm. They should be able to... And these are games we should do with them, that a parent can do with a child, that a grandparent can do with a child. It's jumping games, sitting games, older children, obviously. Um, but rolling and crawling and, you know, finding out how your body fits together. And, you know, we, we're always so afraid when children climb on things because we're afraid that they will injure themselves. <laughs> and what we should be doing is showing them how to do it safely. Mm. Because we need to learn how to plan. We need the coordination. They need to know how to do that. Yes. So, um, so for me, I think it's playing with your child, allowing your child to play with peers, even one and two year olds, giving them the opportunity in a small group to play with peers or with older children because they copy older children mm. and that's how they learn most skills. They see how the older brother or sister does something mm. and they, they copy. Yeah, so for me, movement is key. Right. So, now that we've looked at their physical bodies, what about their emotional development in those 1,000 days? And what does it mean for a child's cognitive and their emotional intelligence throughout the rest of their lives, what we do in this period as far as their emotional development is concerned? It's a very important time period because they learn their first attachment to their mother or their primary caregiver. And that's fine, isn't it? not established, they struggle with emotional bonding for the rest of their life. Mm. So I think making that bond with a mother is critical. Maintaining the mother's well-being during that period, so a supportive partner, identifying postnatal depression, managing stress, making sure mom gets enough sleep. I think all of those things can have a negative effect if we and that's the purpose of the mom's emotional housing. And then for a child at, at this age, between birth and two years, to have a reciprocal partner for social play. So we talked about physical pleasures, mm-hmm. outside games, which is jumping. But inside games, we do things like peekaboo, running around the garden, learning to use eye contact, learning to just enjoy space together, that kind of bonding. It's very important for children to be secure in themselves, to be able when they're older, actually separate from their parents. So for me, a very secure two-year-old is a child who can be with his mother, but is able then to explore the world. The mother actually is a secure base, but the child should not be holding on to the mother constantly. We are constantly bringing our children towards adulthood and independence. And so, yeah, encouraging them in motion, they're constantly saying, you can do it. Because it's hard trying to walk, it's hard trying to walk. Using positive words, using positive phrases, being aware of when they're not exposing them to arguments, 
or negative things either on television or in the household. Having a structure, having a structure is so important for children. Mm. So having a routine in the household that the child can attach himself to and so that the world is predictable, it helps them to learn, it helps them to learn rules, it's just the basis for school and for behavior outside of the house. Mm. So if we cast our minds out of the home and look at the broader South African picture, what are the risk factors that are prevalent, you know, around a mother and child health that you would say are specific to South Africa? That are specific to South Africa, I would say definitely HIV and TB. Maternal undernutrition and mm. teenage pregnancy. So teenage pregnancy goes with HIV, TB and undernutrition. Environmental hazards and then social, societal and household violence. You know, we've been through recently where we've realized the level of violence against women in our society and children in our society are out of bounds. Women don't feel safe. And so I don't think children can grow up feeling safe. So I think the South African specific things are related to safety and poor nutrition. And poor nutrition could be obesity as well as undernutrition. And then infectious diseases and not having access to antenatal care or not using that antenatal care appropriately. Planning your pregnancy going to see your guy even before you will have conceived in those things in place. I think that the big things in South Africa still remain the things that are related to poverty and access to services and then for me uh, unfortunately societal and household violence mm. which will get across socioeconomic data. Right. Um, it's not related to poverty. We, we, we get it in in all spheres of society. Mm. So what sort of interventions are possible if we need to undo the things that weren't done or the things that were incorrectly done during the first 1,000 days, say, post these 1,000 days in a child's life? Well, I think it comes back to looking at the mother and child minute and saying, have we now addressed the maternal issues? Is our mother well? Is she emotionally well? Is she coping? Is she getting the support? Is she getting enough of a break? Is there someone to give her breaks in the child so she can have some me time? Is there enough structure in the household? Is there a partner? Is the partner supportive? No. Looking complexly at maternal health, both physical and mental. With a child, again, it's looking at nutrition. We have some children who virtue of exposure in that period do have very bad diets. So bringing the nutrition back to what it should be is so some children will gain weight because they're undernourished. Some children will lose weight because they are overweight. Correcting the iron deficiency is important if there are other vitamin deficiencies. Providing that is important. And then it comes down to simulation. So one of the key points of the UNICEF program is 
developmental stimulation mm-hmm. and access to early childhood care. There are a lot of resources internationally, communities, but also the Western Cats Department of Health, where actually there's a sort of a, a developmental and a stimulating path which is laid down to a child on the website. And at every stage of development, zero to three months, three to six months, parental guidance is given. Should I play with my child at this age? What are fun and safe activities at this age? How can I stimulate myself, my child at this age? So it's all then about putting those things in place. And so from the age of three, for me, I feel having access to an early childhood development center, you know, preschool, is vital for social development. Mm. for parents to empower themselves to then implement. And there are, lots, there are a lot of NGOs to support parents for this as well. Right. Um, but it's implementing things like reading to your child, how to make toys, how to play. Because again, the challenge for our three to five-year-olds and our older children are that a telephone or an iPad is so attractive. It holds so much stimulus. Mm-hmm. And our children get so excited that they don't know how to enjoy other toys or engage with other things. And so there's yeah, quite a few resources. We look at national and in the Western case, there's a beautiful work that's a beautiful guide for parents to ready to grow with their child of things that are not expensive, electronic things, but things in the house. Mm. That you, when should I talk about this? When, how should I explain this? Those kinds of things. Right. And it comes down to the time and attention mm. and patience and structure because behavior then is not going to correct itself in a day. It will take time to gain the child's trust. And development, again, you may need outside help. You may, if there really is a lag in development, you may need a speech therapist, an occupational therapist. Okay. You may need a developmental pediatrician. You may need a physical therapist. Because they can all work with a child with strengths and skills that are lagging. But for most children, if we put the stimulation in place, and the nutrition is right, and they get the immunizations and we make sure they are safe, and we flag the children and really struggle, we should have a good response. Dr. Reneva, thank you so much. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to talk to you as well. Developmental pediatrician, Dr. Reneva Peterson. Members of Discovery Health Medical Scheme have access to an exclusive offer with Next Biosciences. NetCells, which is Next Biosciences' umbilical cord stem cell banking service, gives expectant parents an opportunity to collect their newborn baby's umbilical cord blood and tissue stem cells and cryogenically store them for potential future medical use. Stem cells are the cells that make up the embryo and are the original building blocks of life. For more information on this offer, visit the Discovery website at www.discovery.co.za or download the Discovery app.
If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast and want additional must-know insights into maximizing your child's potential as they grow, then listen to our Discover Healthier podcast titled Raising Healthy Children and find out just how to deal with the host of challenges that threaten the health of a child growing up in today's world. Thank you for listening to this episode of Discover Healthier, brought to you by Discovery Health. Join the conversation on social media with the hashtag Discover Healthier and tag at Discovery underscore SA. You can subscribe to our podcast channel, Discovery South Africa, on your favorite podcast app or visit discovery.co.za to listen to our shows.